Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Hey, Santa! You could win in APCO's Cash for Chrissy competition. That's right, APCO Joe. There's 1K to brighten your day. And 1K to give away to a mate for Christmas. APCO's Cash for Chrissy on now at APCO. <laughs> Ask Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You know how I feel. Sun in the sky You know how I feel Breeze drifting on by You know how I feel It's a new dawn It's a new day It's a new life For me And I'm feeling good I'm feeling good 9.04 and welcome to Mornings with McIver in for Smithy till tomorrow at least. I'll be back tomorrow and it's crooning Wednesday today. And I love me a bit of Michael Bublé, feeling good. I trust you are feeling good wherever you are on Aotearoa, New Zealand. Uh, and while we're talking about the bubble, on the bubble right now is Formula 2 driver Marcus Armstrong, who in the opening weekend in Bahrain drove a really strong race to finish fifth in the feature race. We talked to Marcus shortly ahead of the next round in Saudi Arabia this weekend. The Warriors have made another change in the halves and an otherwise unchanged team for round three against the Tigers. They're saying... They're saying Ash Taylor has a hip complaint and with a short turnaround they won't risk it. So Cody Nicarima is back to partner Chanel Harris-Tavita. So two guys whose contracts end at the conclusion of this season are running the ship. 0-2. You'd be hoping they want to make an impression. The NHL trade deadline closed yesterday and with a month to go into the playoffs we get the lowdown from the Athletics' Sean McIndoe, host of the Puck Soup podcast as to the key trades and how things are looking towards playoffs. Plus, today at 9.30, a new feature thanks to Regency Plumbing called Running Hot or Cold. So stay tuned for that one and give me your two cents worth on 0800 150811 or get on the Temper Bedpost text line 8833. And a question for the day. With so much movement in the NFL being reported, with trades being done and the openness about what players are being paid... Is it about time here in New Zealand and Australia, in our professional sports, that there is transparency in what athletes are being paid? Should we know what athletes are earning to entertain us? I say yes, but what do you say? 0800 150811 is the number any time this morning. in open wheel motor racing at the top end of the sport you've got F1 and then the feeder series is F2 and in Formula 2 New Zealand has two young men gunning for glory Liam Lawson and Marcus Armstrong 
Armstrong, a former Ferrari Academy driver, is now racing for a team and team boss he knows well, high-tech racing. And he had a conference-boosting weekend in the opening round of Bahrain, where he is right now having dinner. Marcus, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Mate, uh, congratulations on a stunning drive in the in the feature race. I know uh, the sprint race wasn't the way you wanted it to end, but let's talk about the feature race. Taking the alternative strategy, jumping onto softs and then uh, working through those hards, you must be pretty stoked. Yeah, it was a it was a good race. I must uh, I must say it was a it was a bit of a gamble, certainly with the strategy. It's um, you know, Bahrain is always one of those tracks where it's just so tough on tires, and you have to really nail the um, the strategy in order to have a good result. And uh, I think that. I sort of I did a good job on the opening laps, just sort of positioning um, positioning the car in the right places and and taking all the opportunities that that were available. But um, it was good to finally get a, a decent result, having um you know having been sort of robbed in the sprint race. So uh, yeah, I'm fairly happy with that race. Yeah, what do you think you put your management of the the softs down to? The soft tires, like it's like driving on a. a chewing gum you know you, you, you can't you can't push it too hard you really need to nurse it like it's like it's a child you know you can't mm. be rough on it and uh so the, the trick is just to put as little energy as possible in the tire which is easier said than done considering you have about three tons of downforce on the car so um it's all about just trying to eliminate the the slides and and just really driving a straight line but you also need to drive fast at the same time so it's, uh, it's a difficult trade-off. Did you feel you got more out of the tyre than many might have expected? Yeah, certainly it, it wasn't easy because, um, you know, at the beginning we said, look, the track temperature is like 45 degrees or something like this, and and uh, it's a long, long race. So just take your time and, and, and do what you can. But I must say that the car was super good. That was a big component of the, re- uh, the race result. And... Um, yeah, I think we did a decent job, but, you know, in motorsport, you always say that you can do better, and after having analysed everything, um, there was a podium on the table, believe it or not, so um, satisfying, but, you know, could have done better. All right, so after analysing all the data, where do you need to get better? We need to get better in quality. This is one of the, the biggest parts of a F2 weekend. I didn't do a very good job on uh, the Friday. It was... Uh, it was a bit of a shock to the system that new soft tire, and um, and I think that for Jeddah it's going to be our main point of focus because we have the race pace, um, and uh, I think we have proved that over and over again. That just we need to get closer to the front of the grid. We need to start in the first two rows, and uh, then we can really we can really get down to the nitty gritty. Are there similarities uh, to Bahrain at Jeddah? And I saw, I'm assuming track temperature will be one of them. Yep, so it's obviously still in the middle of a desert. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty hot. Um, Jeddah is obviously a street track, so it's a completely different uh, ball game. Uh, you need to sort of, uh, well, just kiss the walls, basically, uh, but not too hard. And um, But the cool thing about Jeddah is the track just has so much grip. Like uh, it's like driving an F2 car on steroids somehow. You know, there's just so much grip and it's so much fun to to drive. Honestly, like we finished last year's free practice and all the drivers are just like, you know, we're all so happy just because it's actually just genuinely fun. So 
Um, Jeddah is one of my favourites, and I'm, I'm sure we can get a good result there. Yeah, what about strategy? Will you look at the similar strategy? Well, hopefully we're starting off pole, so we won't need to gamble on strategy. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, ideally, we'll just do the most boring strategy you can think of and just control the race. That is the ideal situation. Your confidence sounds high. The move to high tech obviously paying off. Yeah, so uh, I think that the car was mega on the weekend. And, um, I mean, we we came through the field pretty quickly and and also my teammate was really strong. So I think that um, the car is performing really well. Um, And I I always thought that Bahrain was going to sort of be one of my more difficult tracks just because of its its nature of being so hard on tyres and also it's it's very hot out here. So I think that the, the championship would sort of be won and lost um, when we come to those European races. But in saying that, I'm happy to you know get some points on the board last weekend, and it's certainly um, it's a good start. Yeah, Marcus, it must be nice to and, and also to have the quick turnaround so you can you can build on that momentum. Exactly, momentum is one of the key components of F2. Um, once you start getting going, somehow it's almost like a bottle of bottle of tomato sauce, you know, once you get the first part out, it, it suddenly all comes out. So um, momentum <laughs> momentum's important, um, but it's important just to also stay calm and and uh, not try to do anything crazy because, like I said, the championship will be won later in the season, not right here. So how much work do you do uh, on your own performance between uh, the last race and the next race? Well, uh, from a physical standpoint, this track is going to be quite a lot more difficult it's quite high speed a lot of uh, a lot of g-force um it's actually the, the highest average speed lap of the calendar so um it is going to be tough i've been um obviously you can't if, if you're training now for a, for a race this weekend it's probably a bit late but we have been sort of been in the gym and doing all of that <clears throat> this week and uh from a technical standpoint just been going through it, a lot of data and trying to trying to simplify the things that are very technical. That's important for me as a driver, you know. I, I want to know what I, what I need to improve on, but at the same time, I don't want to be, you know, filing through data because that's, um, that's also not a good way to get the most out of yourself. So at the moment, we're just trying to simplify everything and, um, you know, try and find the main points of improvement. All right, mate. Uh, being a former Ferrari Academy driver, how stoked were you with the uh, Formula 1-1-2? Um, I was I was actually really happy. I think that everyone in Marinello deserves it. It's uh, it's been a very a very long wait for these new regulations, and I think that Ferrari have been working incredibly hard. You know, I did quite a quite a lot of days of development for this car during last season, and and I've seen how much you know pressure, so to speak, is is on everyone for this car to perform, and. It made me made me happy to see the car out front, both cars, and um, you know I'm sure that they're going to do a good job this year, and it's really exciting. Yeah, and that that Ferrari power unit certainly helping Haas and Alfa Romeo, right? I mean that that uh, that lineup in the top ten was such a fresh change. Yeah, exactly. I mean the power units, I, I never really had anything to do with, but um, it's it's cool to see how much development they've done on that side, and and I know that everyone in Ferrari is just so passionate about engines in particular i mean like written on the wall of the factory and uh in italian 
outside the team principal Matthias' office has written the the engines. Engines are everything, and with a good engine, everything else will come. So uh, they've finally found the secret recipe for that, and it, it looks pretty good. Yeah, it should be a cracking season. What's Bahrain like to hang out in? It's pretty nice. Um, I'm actually just standing out by the marina, and uh, it's obviously pretty hot here, so, uh, you know, it's full of life, and um, I must say it's a pretty nice place to hang out. Well, mate, it sounds like already after a couple of rounds, uh, or a couple of races, should I say, your season is full of life as well. Go well in uh, Jeddah, mate. We look forward to talking again throughout the season. Hey, thanks for having me, Stephen. Marcus Armstrong, pilot for high-tech F- uh, F2 car, and, of course, uh, Jeddah in Saudi Arabia, the next one. I've got to say, the, the F1 season started off with a bang, but uh, Liam Lawson, of course, started with a bang as well, a couple of podiums. But Marcus's drive, uh, which Murph and I talked about in Sky Speed last night, was a, was a stunning drive because of how they approached that feature race. By the way, Murph is back with me tomorrow night in Repco Race Control, back to our normal time tomorrow night. Uh, uh, 7 through 9, and between 7 and 8 we'll talk to another young Kiwi that's uh, you know on his way, slowly but surely, but he's a tin-top racer, Marco Giltrap, who is uh, a contender for the Toyota 86 Championship the, this year, starting in, of, uh, at the moment in fourth position. And in the studio live between 8 and 9, Jaguar Formula E driver Mitch Evans, home for the first time in two and a half years, and we'll have one of his good mates, Shane Van Gisbergen, on the line from Tasmania as well, ahead of the latest round of supercars coming this week from Simmons Plain. So, but uh, I'm really happy for Marcus, you know, because he is a kid under pressure. All kids are under pressure. When you have to be a, an academy, a driver for Ferrari, which is a, a feat in itself, and then deal with the pressure that is expected from them, uh, the fact that he's, he sounds a lot more comfortable, you know, and Logan, I think it's, it's a really good sign. And I had a lot of fun with him the other day too. Yeah, the future is definitely bright there, New Zealand oh, motorsport. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's unbelievable. Talk about stacked, the show you've got lined up there for race control. <laughs> That's awesome, mate. Love to hear it. Uh, yeah, when looking into Marcus Armstrong, when we were getting this interview uh, teed up, I found a clip on YouTube of you doing a lap around the Hampton Downs. I, 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 Okay, hang on. With Marcus, you've got to paint this picture here. I'll paint the picture. So we did a – Marcus was back in the country, like uh, a lot of the guys, getting back – being able to come back and see mum and dad the whole nine yards and pretty happy too, very happy to say the least. And I've known Marcus since – it seems he's a lot younger and and he's he's grown so much as an individual, right? He's he's, he's, he's a lot more – I asked him, you know, you don't seem so naive about a lot of things. He's he's grown up, right? And he's he's a good cat. But anyway, we had the uh, Toyota Gazoo Racing, which are based out of Hampton Downs, uh, we they had a couple of GR Yaris's, the hot the hot rocket, and so we set up basically a, a challenge uh, to see if he could beat me. Problem is, he's a professional race car driver. I'm not, so I said, "You got to give me a 10 second start," which is normally a lot. And he said, and he, I think his quote was, "Bring it on, old man." I said, "Well, back the truck up there for a start." And he wanted to bet. I said, "I don't bet. I'm not a gambler. I do not bet. So back it up, right?" I said, "When do you think you can get me?" He said, oh, end of the first lap? <laughs> no, nah, please. Didn't even get close. Got me ah, last corner on the second lap. It was a two-lap race. And a whole heap of fun. And abs- I mean, I just, you know how you have, you have those moments like when you we were all under pressure with COVID and the whole nine yards and working from home, blah, 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 blah. It was just one of those moments where, yeah, that feels good. Blew some steam out. Someone let me just fang their car around. We weren't allowed to go over 160 Ks. Uh, because otherwise we'd have to wear a race suit. 
<laughs> uh, and, sorry, and it was uh, it was a heap of fun. So yeah, I mean, but he's up against it. The, the, it is such a competitive formula, Formula Two, and you, and he's quite right. Uh, Liam Lawson the same way, having issues last season with qualifying, and it is everything. But they've got to, ha- and the feature race they've got to have a compulsory stop to change the tire compound. So most of the cars in that feature race in in Bahrain went onto the hard compound first because that gives you distance and then they then they deliberate when do they change the soft compound which basically you can rip through the field so he was on the reverse strategy so you think he started 13th went up to 5th on the first lap and pretty much stayed there and that's a really good effort. So, yeah, he's good fun. But we've got so – I mean, there's a kid called Louis Sharp. He's a 14-year-old, about to turn 15. He missed the first round of Formula 4, the British Formula 4 championship, because he was 14. He can race in the, the second round and beyond because he's 15. Another one picked up by a, a billionaire entrepreneur called David Dicker, the Roden Cars magnate. Good guy, incredibly intelligent, but now backing people. He backs Liam Lawson. He's backing um, – he's also now backing uh, Louis Armstrong. So we have a, 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 a just it's, – it's a, it's a fruit bowl full of young talent. I don't know if fruit bowl was the right thing to say, but it was – you know, because, you know, some might be a banana and some might be an animal. <laughs> it is what it is. It's 20 past nine. They're on Mornings with MacIver in for Smithy. The question of day is this. Do you think we should advertise the salaries of our professional athletes, which is quite commonplace in professional sports around the world? But we don't seem to like to do that. But it's it's just quite normal. No one gets upset about it. No one, you know, whines about it. They just go, oh, okay, he's making twenty five million a year. Oh, he's making a million pounds a week here in English football, or three hundred thousand pounds. So, do you think it's time we grew up a little bit in this country and advertised when contracts are being done the salaries of our professional players? I'd love to hear what you think about this because I know in this country we have an incredibly horrible tall poppy syndrome. We we hate people earning more, lots of money. Well, I think that's BS. Full stop. It's life, right? If you can if you can earn that, you can get, do that contract. Fine by me. So, what do you think? Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven, or the Timber Bedpost text line on double eight double three. The voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Make her complexion like peaches and cream. Give her two lips like roses and clover. Then tell me that my lonesome nights are over, Sandman. Dream 9.26, it's Crooning Wednesday. Dickie Valentine, do you like that one? I just thought that Crooning Wednesday was good. We always talk about Wednesday being hump day. Why can't it just be Crooning Wednesday? So the question of the day for you is... Should, is it about time that athletes in this country, in Australia, uh, were transparent about the salaries that they make? The, you know, their contracts, length of contracts. Well, a couple of people. Let's start with uh, Craig in the Bay of Plenty. Morning, Stephen. What do you get paid for hosting the morning show on SCNZ? Are you happy to share your earnings? In principle, I think we should be more transparent with salaries in this country, but that should be across the board, not just sports people. Hmm. An interesting one. 
Let me say this. You would be surprised at how much people don't earn in the media industry. It is not all glam, trust me, okay? That's that's from experience of 30 years in the business. Trust me on that one. And I'm not talking, I, but I don't, I think transparency is fine. I mean, you read about uh, entertainers, sports broadcasters in the States, and they talk about annual contracts, so I'd be fine with that. But then you'd, go, you'd be quite surprised at how much uh, sports broadcasters and broadcasters in general in this country don't earn. Trust me on that one. And Owen from Whangarei says, would you be prepared for the money you get, quote unquote, to entertain the people, was made public? Well, Owen, yeah, I'd be okay with that. But again, I think you'd be incredibly disappointed. And I, and the tone of those two texts suggest, uh, to, to me still, the tall poppy syndrome. People in New Zealand hate success. They hate seeing others make more money than them. And I think it's about time we, t- we change the dial. We change the frequency on this one. If someone can negotiate a contract because of their ability to do a job, fine. We should celebrate success, not knock it on the head. I think that is a huge problem in this country. What's wrong with making good money for a good job? See, a lot of people will be listening going, oh, yeah, but you're just sitting there talking into a microphone about stuff that you love. Okay, fair call. But do you know how much preparation goes into three hours of radio, right? So I've been thinking about this for the last 24 hours. So you never get away from the job. Talking to my producer, Logan. Logan's texting me last night and this morning. We're sitting down talking about things. So for three hours of television, I can tell you, sorry, for radio, I can tell you for a fact, eight hours goes into every three hours. So when you think it sounds easy, it's not easy. And I just, I just think, you know, yes, media is an easy target. But grow up. Frankly, just grow up. It's about time we were transparent about a lot more things. But in this country, we've got to get rid of this whole tall poppy syndrome, particularly with our sports people. Oh, we can knock them down. In the media, we knock them down, but we also build them up because it's part of the game. It's part of the entertainment. That's what it's about. Got any thoughts on that one? 0800 150811. That's 0800-150811. And the Timber Bed Post Tech Line is double eight double three. Coming next, a brand new feature. Oh yes, with Regency Plumbing. Running hot or cold. Hang on. It's time for running hot or cold. cold. Proudly brought to you by Regency Plumbing for all your bathroom renovations in Auckland. 9.32, and the music is a bit like crooning Wednesday. Yes, running hot or cold, this is what it's all about. Let me just find what I've got to say here. Regency Plumbing for all your bathroom renovations in Auckland. So this is this is a really simple one. What's hot, what's not. So what's running hot? For you and what's running cold for you. So Logan and I are going to debate what's running hot and cold for either of us at the moment in this sporting world. Some you may be surprised at, others you will not be surprised. And by the way, just just by the way, can I just say... No, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll get off that thread. I'll, I'll, I'll get off that thread I was before the news. We'll get back to it anyway. Let's go. Uh, Regency Plumbing, hot and cold. Go, Logan. All right, my first one is uh, with Cricket World Cup, the women's has been a key focus of the show recently. My pick for hot, uh, and it is going to be a monthly segment, this one, so there's going to be a lot going on in between the next one. Okay. My hot, my hot pick, the Aussie women's cricket team, right? 
They're a complete team. It's hard to believe at this point that anyone else in the Women's Cricket World Cup could beat them. Uh, it almost kind of feels like New Zealand, we did them a favour by smashing them in that final warm-up game uh, ahead of the tournament, like it was a wake-up call, or maybe, I don't know, they didn't take that game seriously and they were resting before the big show. Either way, that beast has definitely been woken up. Uh, they've got the number one and number two batters in the world with Elise Perry and uh, Captain Meg Lanning. Let's not forget, they also have a superstar in Elise Perry, plus a great bowling attack with the likes of Lana King, Darcy Brown, Jess, Johannesson and Megan Shute all contributing, plus more. It's just I just can't believe how deep that team is. They're fearless, they're aggressive in the field, and they make some spectacular catches when it's needed. Case in point, yesterday, Ash Gardner's absolute screamer against South Africa. Speaking of her, by the way, you have to stand up and applaud the way that she came into this tournament straight out of COVID isolation, and there's been a difference maker with the bat and ball since. Her 48 runs off off 18 balls sorry, versus New Zealand, I would say was a real turning point in that match after the... uh, White Fern spinners were choking them for runs. And that's what I like about this Aussie side, McIver. They find ways to win. The other day, we had Craig coming on the show saying that the Aussies go into a World Cup like this with the belief that they have a God-given right to be in the final. They're playing like it. And honestly, God help anyone who stands in their way. <laughs> and what's changed? What's changed in 30, 40, 50, 100 years of Australian cricket? Whether we women's cricket or men's cricket, they go on with that attitude. It's a, it's a built-in attitude. You know what I put it down to? It's like it's, uh, with rugby and, and rugby league. They play on hard grounds. That's a hard environment, Australia, right? Extreme weather conditions, and some of them grow up on hard, dirty pitches, you know, rock hard. The whole night, and, and they, it's just ingrained into who they are. It's in their DNA to play hard, be hard, and not, and not give in. And I think that's a, an incredible element. So, okay, that's your running hot. Well, my running hot, so I'm playing the rugby league card this morning. Uh, my running hot, uh, believe it or not, is the two, t- two of the teams that are unbeaten so far, and no one would have picked this in a million years, in the, in the NRL right now. That's the Broncos, uh, excuse me, the Broncos, and the Newcastle Knights. Uh, hello? What? Excuse me? Broncos on the back of Adam Reynolds but also a more settled forward pack. Picking up Kurt Capewell was a good buy. And I think he's he is the Isaiah Yo of the Brisbane Broncos. Isaiah Yo is a linchpin in that Broncos. He's a forward, but he's always in the back line, and he's strong. I think Kurt Capewell could turn out to be their magic bullet going forward in combination with Adam Reynolds, and that's why I think they're going so well. Quite surprised they let Jermaine Osaka go to the Titans for the end of the year, but... There you go. So the Broncos surprised me. The other one, of course, is the Newcastle Knights, who in many ways have been a little bit like the West Tigers, promise much, deliver little. And Adam O'Brien has had a, has had a hell of an introduction to head coaching in the last couple of years. But I actually think they, they've, got, they've, got, you know, they've got the Saifiti, Clemmer, those guys up front. And, and then, well, you've got Kalen Ponga. When Kalen Ponga plays, normally the Knights win. And they play them. And how good is this? This weekend, they play Bat, uh, the Panthers at Bathurst. Right, and the Cowboys. It's the Derby, uh, Broncos, Cowboys, Broncos, and the Cowboys. Meh, meh. They got the meh for me are, are playing as well. So for me, the Regency Plumbing running hot this 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 month. Broncos and the Knights after two rounds unbeaten. And by the way, Knights have got the best attack. They sure do. And the, when you're going back to that Broncos, you've got, uh, I mean, Kevin Walters came into that role with so much 
expectation. There, there's a lot put on the Broncos there oh, uh, after the disaster that was Anthony Seabold. Well, well, Kevy wasn't exactly flash last year either, if we remember. They they, they weren't that great. But uh, I've got a friend who is Trad McLean. He was the Broncos media manager. He's now, funnily enough, the Dolphins media manager after taking some time out. He said to me once, uh, being in the Broncos organisation in Brisbane is just the most pressure-filled environment that they have to live through every year. The expectation of the Broncos on the back of their success previously is greater than what people expect from the Warriors. Oh, yeah, and I've been on the media side of it working uh, at News Corp and, you know, covering things with the Courier Mail, and we would heap a lot of pressure on the Brisbane Broncos, but that is what generated the clicks. That is what people cared about. People care and love the Brisbane Broncos, no matter how they're performing. So to see the fact that they are turning around and they're your hot pick is awesome. <laughs> but Wow, okay. Let's, yours is awesome too. Thank you. Okay, enough back scratching done. So what is 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 running cold for you? Yeah, things might get a bit icy here. Uh, oh, wow. Bring them out again. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the flip side to uh, my, my uh, argument before with the Aussies is the hosts New Zealand in the Women's Cricket World Cup. The expectations were heaped on them after that nine-wicket win that I mentioned over yeah. the Aussies in the warm-ups. Sophie Devine's incredible 161 not out, backed up by Mealy Kerr's 92 not out, had us all kinds of excited. Yeah. I know we were pumped. Of course, the last time New Zealand won the Women's Cricket World Cup was back in the year 2000, yeah. if you can remember it. They were the host then too. Support was high. We wanted to fill the stadiums, but couldn't due to those bloody COVID restrictions in place. So we watched from the comfort and safety of our living rooms. White Ferns <laughs> dropped the first game to the West Indies, and while they picked up wins against Bangladesh and India, i got to say, it's been all downhill from there. The 1-2 lost four, and chances making those semifinals seem to be slipping by the day. There have been some good performances, but a lack of consistency, a lack of batting out those full 50 overs, which I know is something Smithy has been uh, big on, yeah. uh, and also a lack of killer instinct to strike when those game-breaking moments present themselves. I would say that's been their undoing. Much has been made of that mental toughness, and it, that is a tricky path to go down when you don't know the full story. But questions are being asked, and no doubt a review is coming. Oh, wow, the old review. The old review. Can't wait. Oh, the body language. I don't know if you watched the game the other day. No. Nah. The, the body language of Bob Carter during that loss to England, to me, said it all. Uh, he looked like he'd given up. And to me, it spoke a thousand words. And we already know he's moving on. I just hope we see some fireworks against the Pakistanis so that they do go out with a bang. Their uh. semi-final picture isn't 100% clear yet, though, McIver. <laughs> but because England have a game in hand uh, on, on New Zealand and that negative run rate does not look good for us either. And I have to say, they've, been the, def- they've been the definition hey, hey. of running. Hang on. The name drop here. Well, not the name drop. Just to help Regency Plumbing here, the White Ferns to me have been the definition of running hot and cold this World Cup. <laughs> Good, but why are we happy? Why are we hoping they go out with a bang? Why are we accepting mediocrity? Come on! I asked the question. Here's the question: How happy is that camp? Let's let's leave that one sitting. All right, let's just leave that one there. All right. So running cold for me comes as no surprise. Actually, Mark just texted in. Uh, it's only two games in a row. There's always a couple of dark horse teams to start off well, so let's see where they're after a dozen games. Warriors, yeah, it's only a couple of games in. You're 0-2. What were you doing in your off-season? Tell me that. 
What were you doing? I was genuinely excited looking at the Ford pack, looking at the back line, although I did question you know, the outside backs and they have been shown up on a number of occasions. But running cold right now are the Warriors, and I'm not going to go down this oft-used phrase, oh, they always start off like that. That's just what the Warriors do. No, we've had 27, 28 years of this. How about we start off strong? How about we expect more from them? Or just a decent start? I cannot understand it. I really do. And, And yes, you could look at the players. But again, I will always throw this back on the one individual that is is charged with leading the organization, that being the coach. So for me, cold. Cold as ice. The Warriors. You with me on that one? I I am. I was wondering what is colder than ice. (laughs) uh, Okay. Uh, The middle finger just came out to you. Uh, So that was uh, running cold, uh, hot and cold, with Regency Plumbing. Be shouted with free gifts valued at $350. If you have some thoughts on our running cold thoughts... Thoughts and thoughts? 0800 or the temper bedpost text line is double eight double three. Okay, so my question of the day was, would you be happy and are you happy to see transparency when it comes to salaries of our sports people? I've had a couple of texts saying, well, what about you, McIver? You know, I, I, look, I would rather you pick up the phone rather than you hide behind your texts because it's far more fun to talk to you. And I'm, I'm in for an argument today. I'm in for a discussion. Uh, this one doesn't have a name, but I'm going to go there anyway. Hey, mate, would you be happy to ha- have how much you get paid broadcast? Answer, yes, but you would be disappointed. I think it's easy to say yes and reveal everyone's salary. We weren't talking about everyone's salary, okay? We were talking about sports people, and if you want to throw broadcasters in, which happens in the, in the US, fine. But it's not that simple. Everyone that says it's salary cap, so it should be public knowledge, I believe is wrong. Every company, including SENZ, has a budget for wages and salaries. If the company forms well, that budget may increase, and in doing so, they might increase the pay, or they may hire new staff to help further grow the business. Correct. Sports salary caps are similar in the fact that if a player performs well, they might get a pay rise. If they're not performing, they won't get one. Nah, no, yes and no, because contracts are done. So if they're performing well and they have bonuses in for scoring tries or yada, 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 then that's all built into their contract. So I don't have a problem. If I was making a million dollars a year on a five-year contract and that was broadcast, so be it. I choose to be in the public eye, but that comes with its upside and its downsides. Trolling is a good one on text line. It's a great one. And I've got to put up with this. And I'll be blunt with you. It is tough when people have a go at you. We are human beings, but we choose to be in this industry if we're going down this path right now. But if I was making a million bucks a year, I'd be happy. (laughs) Man, I'd be over the moon. I'd be wetting my pants with delight. Guess what? I'm not. It's as simple as that. It's 944 0800 150811 or the Timber Bedpost text line 8833. Give me a call. I dare you. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Has such teeth, dear. And it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie Bay. And it keeps it uh, out of sight. Okay, sing it again. Hey, uh, you're looking good today. Hey, you in the back row, come on down. Scarlet billows 
Fish is good on a Wednesday. It's 9.50. This is Mornings with MacIver on SENZ in for Smithy. 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Or you can go on the Timber Bedpost text line and hide from me on 8833. The question of the day, should we, should we advertise player salaries in professional sport in this country? All right. So I've had some texts come in, and they've all targeted me, saying, "Me? Well, why don't? Would you be happy?" And I've said, "Yeah," but answer the damn question. Pick up the phone and have a discussion with me about it. It's a yay or a nay. If it's a yay, why? Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Around the world, uh, not good news for Rafa Nadal with the French Open coming up on the twenty second of May. He's won thirteen titles there, thirteen French Opens. He's suffered a stress fracture in his rib. He's going to be out for up to six weeks, so that's not cool. I love, I love how they say this. It was a stress fracture of the third left costal arch. I'll just check where my third costal arch is. It feels okay at the moment. Four and five are pretty good as well. Uh, Sir Mark Todd is facing a disciplinary hearing in Britain this week after a video on social media showing him hitting a horse with a branch to try to get it to go through the water. All right. He's apologised, the 65-year-old. So the, the independent panel of the British Horse Racing Authority are considering whether his conduct was prejudicial to racing's reputation. Okay. Uh, Saudi Arabia who, who want the MotoGP. They've got enough, haven't they? Uh, because they've got world championship events already. The country sports minister, I'll get this one right, Prince Abdul Aziz bin Turkey, Al-Falsal, has said they want. They said they've already got the Formula E championship in Dakar Rally as well as Extreme E. Now they want MotoGP. And if you watch MotoGP like I do, it is the business. I mean, it is the absolute business. They raced in Indonesia for the first time in 25 years over the weekend in Mandalika. It was a road circuit, street circuit, long story short. It was wet. And they were racing in the wet only seven seconds slower than they would in the dry. Think of it like that. That is a lot. There's an absolute heap uh, when you think about that. And uh, Kazakh weightlifter Nizhat Rahimov, who won gold in the 77 kg class at the Rio Olympics, been banned for the sport for eight years. Guess what? Oh, doping. Doesn't come as a surprise. He won gold at the World Champs in 2015, but was previously banned for two years in June 2013 after testing positive for anabolic steroids. Alrighty, Dean, stay on the line or call back after 10 o'clock and because I know you want to talk about something. Call me back after 10 and we'll have a yarn, Dean. So I've called you out. Now you've got to call me back. It's 9.53. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.57, Daryl Halligan, the chook, after 10 o'clock to talk about rugby league at the moment and the Warriors' naming of their team. And I'll ask him about salary players, players' salaries being uh, broadcast. Dean in Dunedin has a thought on that one. G'day, Dean. Yeah, how are you, Stephen? All right? Yeah, yeah good. What, what's, your, what's your take on it? Well, I don't, I don't really want to know exactly what the Warriors get paid in particular and possibly that Pacifica thing. There's a very similar theme there. Yep. I, I think it's, they've almost got to the stage of the Warriors, and I'm pretty sure I read it somewhere that Wayne Bennett did it with the Broncos, that they had a retainer wager. If they went out there and acted the GOAT, which clearly the Warriors do, they got paid the, the retainer, whereas they went out there and played to their ability. Now, these guys are talented. There's no doubt about it. They're incredibly talented, but they need a real, reality check. Like, if they were to help me renovate buildings here in Dunedin, 
they'd be sacked in a fortnight, and then I'll be back in the disputes tribunal. It'd be costing me money to get rid of them. <laughs> that just, that's just, it's just joke. It's yes, a but, total but, joke, mate. What, what, what is the joke? The fact that they're paid the money to do their job or the amount that they are paid? They're paid, they're, they're paid the money to do a job, yep. but they're not doing the job. Oh, fair play. Do you have a problem, though, knowing what their contracts are? Like in America, you know, uh, they, they trade someone and he's, he's getting $25 million over five years. Do you have an issue with that? And, and the same would apply here in New Zealand. Like, you have a warrior that's, um, you know, they talk about Nathan Cleary's new deal, maybe $1.2, $1.3 million year over five. Do you have an issue with that? No, not really. Like, I rung, I rung Martin Devlin a few years back when it was the other yeah, format yeah. that we had, and I said to him about, if I see Julian Savia do one more bloody breakdance movie or ad on a TV, I'm trying to brick through it. Nah, it's, it's, man yeah, 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 Dean, but you've got to understand one thing, right? You, you, cannot, you cannot dumb down on, on personality. It's about you, the fan, right? Some like it, some don't, right? And I think we, we, we are evolving. We have to evolve. It's an entertainment business that we are in. All right, and I think we've got to I remember that. that. I but, I, mate, I, I'd love to keep talking, but we've got to go. Thanks for calling. Thanks for being brave. You're leading the way this morning. 0800 150 Don't hide on the text machine, the Timber Bedpost text machine. Give us a call between now and midday. 0800 150 After 10, the chook and more NRL. Thing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Tell me when will you be mine? Oh, I love this one. Tell me quando, quando, quando. It's 10.04, and this is SNZ Mornings with McIver and for Smithy, 0800 150 811, or text me on the Timber Bedpost text line, double eight double three. The question of the day is, are you happy for player salaries in this country to be advertised like they do in the States and most other places around the world? Don't text me. Call me, 0800 150 Be brave. Get from behind the keyboard and pick up the phone. Let's have a chat. All right, speaking of chats, it's time to hear from... <laughs> the Chook. The Chook is in the line. <laughs> hey, Daryl. <laughs> Oh, Stephen McGyver, what about that? What a sound. It's only actually early here in Sydney as well. Well, we don't have any roosters running around Manly, so uh, yeah, nice. Go back to the farm, go hoedown. (laughs) Hey, Chucky, how are you? When you were were playing and making the the mega money that you were making, particularly when it came to Super League, were you happy for people to have an indication of your salary? People, if they knew what I was on, they'd be going, pay him some more. And then they go, you can't pay pay wingers that much. But no, um, oh, listen, I guess um, most people know what uh, most people are earning these days in the ballpark anyway. So yeah. if you want clarification of it or you need to actually know to the exact dollar, then, um, then so be it. But um, yeah. Oh, it's it's no. not a big deal, is more it? more important for the Warriors to get a win, Stephen. Well, OK. So, so I'm a bit, I'm, I've been a bit hot on this one. Uh, do you think or do you know that Ash Taylor does have a hip injury or has he been, has he been sacked this week for Cody? Oh, I don't think it's a, a sacking. Um, he's um, had some uh, hip problems um, through the pre-season and, and what have you. Over the past, um, you know, couple of years, um, Ash Taylor and he just manages that situation. So, 
Um, I think the biggest story in a way was um, maybe Cody Nikarima not playing last week um, and how much that cost us in the end. Um, I mean, we're 0-2, so I get it. We're going to go under the microscope and, and look at everything across the park to, to find a win this week against uh, the Tigers at Campbelltown. But, um, yeah, just remember, my friend, just remember, there were two opportunities in the second half where if um, Rocco Berry catches the ball on the left, we score, and then if uh, Adam Pompey doesn't overrun the pass from Jesse Arthurs, we score again. So all is not But lost, they didn't. But they, but they didn't. That's my point. And they I, didn't agree. And, and, okay. <laughs> all right. So, I, and I, you may be thinking I'm coming in a bit hot at 0-2, but I look at the makeup of the side, and I genuinely think they are a better team than they are playing like. Well, you're dead right. Um, so they've missed opportunities where, which hasn't won them games, where they've led in the second half in both games. But if you have a look at the backbone of the forward pack, you know, our back row, you and Aitken, Eli Katoa and Josh Curran, is doing so much work at the moment to allow everyone to actually play yeah. and get the brand of football that they want to play. And then if you think, you know, Fanua Blake, um, I, I think we missed Matthew Lodge last week. After 20 minutes, yep. he was vomiting and had a virus and, you know, was shaking in the sheds and what have you. And even though that allowed Bunty Arfawa to um, get some big minutes, which was good to see Bunty go, um, you know, the real player I think that's going to make this season for the well A player is Bailey Surinan. Now the oh. game has sort of like moved itself into in between the halves. You need a, a lock forward or someone who can really pass and play to shift the ball across the park. So when you do get down to good ball end, you actually need three halves, and, and Bailey can play six. And he comes off the bench. He can hop in between the likes of Cody Nicarima and a, mm. uh, Sean Johnson and play that link guy like Victor Radley does at the Roosters or Cameron Murray does at South. Um, and there's a big, skillful shift um, across the park, which Bailey can then run and open up space through the middle. So I think as you, know, like, as you see the game evolving now and the amount of ball play that there is and how quick it is, it's actually getting your halves with someone in the middle to play alongside them. Um, and even Jazz Savanga can do that, and Josh Curran's learning it. But uh, Bailey Surinan is the guy. He is skillful. Chucky, I raised question marks over the outside backs at the start of this season. Do you think? Yep. Do you think maybe you and Aitken should be back out there for a while? Because I, you no. know, I, I wasn't. I wasn't impressed with Vilea. Young kids, you know, not a lot of games under their belt. Being thrown into the maelstrom early. I mean, for you, who was the, look? Okay, so they've got Pompey, Arthur's, Berry, Montoya, and and uh, and of course Reese Walsh at the back. Is that strong enough for you? Uh, no, it's not strong enough. Um, we need a lift out of out of those guys. I thought Jesse Arthur's last week with the carries he had Solid. was very good. Yeah. You know, he only had sort of eight to ten carries. But if you look at um, our run metres across the park in our back five, um, we're way down on other teams. Um, so in, the, in round one, we only averaged 80 metres a player across the back five. That's not enough. Roger Tuivasa-Shek would average 250 on his own. Dylan Edwards ran 300 metres in round one for Penrith. So our outside back needs to get the ruck started a lot better than what they are. Are they capable of doing it? But Marcelo Montoya had like 19 carries around one for 150 metres. He's up there somewhere, OK? But the other guys need to contribute more. You know, Reese Walsh came up with a couple of hundred metres last week, but he always does through high interactions. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of work. You know, Rocco Berry's only 20, but, you know, he needs to be now clicking up more than eight runs a game. He needs to be 12, 13, 14, and, and whacking over 100 metres. Pompey should be doing a lot more, and I'm not, I'm not convinced Pompey, with Pompey. Uh, Wet needs to do some more as well. I, I, I totally agree. So that's, 
that's the lift area coming off the back fence that can yeah. get them in good field position, let the forwards play, and then they've got to finish as well. Remember, they actually got to the position to finish last week, but they didn't finish. So there was some learning there as well, well about well, where to be. And mate, that's so, my yeah. that's my big concern. You got a you got a big pack, right? The pack this week: Adam Fenua Blake, Egan, who's now running, which I was really happy with. Lodge, Mr. Eight. Deception, we call him Mr. Deception. Well, I know, but <laughs> a running nine, finding the Warriors again, which is great. Curran, I've been impressed with. But tell me this. Why are we not seeing Ben Murdoch Masilla, who was a big off season buy two years ago actually, and he yep. last year was making an impact? What's going on there? Because I honestly want to see him on the bench. Well, I think one thing that Ben, since he's come to the club, you could um, have a question mark over how many minutes he's actually played each game. Um, so, uh, and that would be a question moving forward into the modern game as well. How many minutes can Ben get out of that that body each week? Um, and I just think when you're on the bench, you know, you've got to, you've got to be able to offer up a good 30, 35 minutes minimum, if not go and do something like Bunty Arthur did last week and play, you know, 47 or something like that. Um, and then Aaron Penny has been good off the bench, um, Jazz and Bailey. Um, so I just don't think there's a spot there for him at the moment um, until he can offer a whole heap, a heap of minutes, you know. If, uh, he's probably more suited in the middle than, than in the edge now in his later years. But the big one we want back is Tahu. You know what I mean? You yeah. throw Tahu back in the mix there, yeah, yeah. and then, then then we've really got something to actually... Well, we've got a platform anyway. The first two games, we've had a platform to score the points, and we haven't scored the points. Full stop. Okay, so our execution and the growth and the outside backs, whatever you want to call it, has to come really quickly. Otherwise, this season disappears pretty quickly. Yeah, it does. And the, the inside the red zone, the attackers, you know, it's it feels just like a fumble-a-thon. It feels clueless. That's why I have concerns about the halves again. You know, You're I'm a not. Man. Well, I would no, say it's not clueless. Well, come on, I'm not. Con- <laughs> Look, you know, you know that I do not think Cody Nickarima is a half. He's a fourteen for me. Then you've got young Chanel Harris Tavita, who we know, and you've told me this. You know, he learns on the run. He's he's a tactile sort of player, right? And he's a, and can be a talent, but I wonder whether his com- where his confidence confidence is right now, and what they do to to sort this issue out. Because I think it's an issue. If you're getting in the red, and it's always been an issue, get in the red zone. You should should at least get a return set. But they're not doing that. Yeah, I guess you know you can go down all those cliches and whatever you've got. <laughs> Thanks. Kicks out and that, and and I, and I agree, and, and that does win football games. But at the end of the day, you need the talent to bust the line. And you actually need to take the ball to the line the whole time, get tackled, play the ball, and and be engaged in the game to win football games. You can't just stand and pass. Every half in the game needs to run the ball, needs to get smashed, needs to get, um, you know, roughed up in the tackle, and needs to play because then he's actually taking the pressure off the other guys. So I get it. Um, listen, let's just bring Friday on really, really quickly. Um, it's going to be about an eight o'clock start, I think. Sky yeah, Sport it is. Four, yep. um, against the Tigers and uh, Jackson Hastings um, out news here this morning. He's out. He's now out for three weeks. So I think someone like Jock Madden will come into the side. They too have a fairly decent forward pack. If you yeah, look at you do. know Uto Kamanu, James Tamo, uh, Garner, Leilua, Joff and Garway, they have some <laughs> mongrel. Um, there as well, so it's going to be a fairly heated battle. And you know what Madge is like, Michael Maguire. Yep, he'll have them smoking. All right, mate, I appreciate that. I just can't really have a cracky as they just throw them back at me, but I appreciate the time. <laughs> by, by the way, have you picked up a contract? Breathe, Stephen, <laughs> breathe. I've tried to say that to you before. <laughs> have you picked up a kicking co- contract with the Dolphins yet? The Dolphins. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm actually I've been asked to have a kick with a couple of. I've got some girls and a woman's team up there, so I'm going to next time I'm up there, I'll have a uh, have a quick kick with the girls and see if they can they can beat the old chook now. So there you go. <laughs> All right, mate. Thanks for your time, Chucky. Appreciate it as always. Have a good day, guys. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Daryl Halligan, the chook. Wow. Okay. So, um, hey, Stephen. Big part of the problem. People like chook cheerleading and not saying how it is. Shocker. Cheers, Gaza. Uh no, he's uh, – look, I, I will defend Daryl because he's got one of the smartest rugby league brains going around. But he's not cheerleading. I mean, he's just he – loves, he loves the footy and he actually does love the Warriors. And he, he, like all of us, wants to see them do well. But the frustration year on year gets one. Now, Steve. Okay. He says, Steve – well, it's Stephen, but I know you say Steve just to annoy me. Stop having a crack at listeners for texting. If it wasn't for us, you wouldn't have a show. Let's face it, you're not good at listening to anyone that disagrees with you. Okay, here's the challenge for you today, Steve. Call me and we'll have a chat about the the subject we're talking about. Should player salaries be advertised? So call me. There's my challenge to you. I'll sit back and listen and I'll prove to you that I can listen because good discussion is about agreement and disagreement. It's called discussion. So there's my challenge to you, buddy. I'm happy happy to take your call. Uh, this one from Chris in the Northern Territories. The rugby union salaries would be interesting. NRL is fairly easy to find the range slash tier the players get, but union seems less obvious, i.e. what do the union franchises pay to entice players to move teams? All right. 0800 150811, if you've got a thought on that question of the day. 0800 150811. Uh, Mark has just texted in. Come on, Mark, give us a call. Uh, you mentioned to the caller, Dean, that the Warriors were doing their job. Oh, did I say that? Um, the fact that they aren't because they aren't winning games in the competition, they're getting paid a lot more than me and you, and they don't seem to give a damn. Surely the long-suffering fans have had enough. Just want them to show some fight, they, and they show they care about the fans. Look, it's a hard. this is a hard one, Mark, and I, I hear what you're saying. They are paid what the market says they are worth, and the Warriors uh, are actually tough negotiators. I know that for a fact. So what a player earns, yes, they should be delivering as well. But let's not judge them on what they're being paid. Judge them on the results. What anyone gets paid, if they can, as I said to you right at the, my rant, as anyone can negotiate a salary that's you know worthwhile, then good on them. But you know as well as I do, if you don't perform in this game, 90% of the time, you won't have another contract. They'll ship you off. And I, look, we have all had enough of underperforming. I've been, I was around the Warriors in the good days and the bad days. <laughs> and it's hard, but it's also fun. Now, Dean, you, who you mentioned, uh, wanted to clarify something. Haven't seen Steve call yet, Logan. He's, uh, obviously, he doesn't want to talk to me. That's okay. What I wanted to say about Julian Savio, who I loved watching, was I thought he was on 200k. Martin said it was 800k. Uh, where else are these guys going to get that kind of money? Who's Martin? Uh, the Warriors have a huge problem. It's been in the media lately. Uh, narcotics or the use of it is clearly an issue. Don't know that. So let's not be scurrilous. That won't be helping performance. Pay them a retainer with bonuses for winning. I say enough is enough. We can't keep blaming the coach. He's not on the field. Yes, but he is deciding how it works out on the field. Get Wayne Grumpy Bennett, I say. The players respect him. Wooden spoon, here we go again. I hope Pacifica isn't heading the same way. Well, you've got thoughts on this one. Give us a call. 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. 1017. Look out. The panel is next.
This panel brought to you by Dilma. Do try it. 10.22 with Stephen McIver, 0800 150 the Temper Bedpost text line is a double eight double three. Dilmar celebrating 30 years of tea in New Zealand. I'm sure Hamish Bidwell, journalist, uh, loves a good cup of tea, don't you Hamish? Yeah, every night after I've done the dishes and uh, cleaned the kitchen, I always sit down for a nice cup of tea, absolutely. I don't know, I don't know if uh, content creator and general all-round good guy and warrior fanatic Sam Ackerman likes a cup of tea. You a tea guy, Sam? Uh, not listen. If, I, if I'm thirsty, I'm saying cold, and if I'm cold, I'll eat something hot. I don't really drink a lot of hot drinks. I got to say, it's, I, I used to work as um, uh, as a barista, so I um, the being around hot drinks reminds me of minimum wage. So um, yeah, not 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 passionately. Actually, speaking of minimum wage, well, my text, my question of the day is: Should we be uh, you know advertising player salaries in the professional world? What do you think, Sam? Uh I'm I'm torn on it. I understand the um the the rationale for it, but they they're not public uh, entities. They're not paid for by our taxpayer dollars. I think that um, funding for uh, for sporting organisations is is declared that comes through the government. I'm I'm all all for that. But why should somebody have their um, salary put forward, but not say you or I, um, Stephen? Oh no, in, we no we we, we we fall into the same category. I'm using the American example, right? So uh, you know, entertainers and and sports people. Hamish, do you ever have, have a, a read on this? one? I, I find the numbers that get bandied about ridiculous because people don't actually know but what I would say is if you make a good whack then you deserve to make a good effort and uh, in that sense we know that several all blacks are sort of in the 800 to 1.2 bracket and they probably need to pull their fingers out you know play a few games maybe have less sabbaticals that kind of malarkey so <laughs> with money comes responsibility and while I don't the speculation on who earns what I think when you're on a decent wage, we know you're on a decent wage. Give us a decent effort. Okay, fair enough. But I, yeah, but I, I see. I will. I'll counter that by saying, if you can get the contract, fine. And but agree with you saying, yeah, but now deliver on that contract. Let's talk about the Warriors naming uh, Sam. I'll start with you, you first. Not, I'm not a Cody Nikarima fan, but he's back in the halves. Well, it's, it doesn't sound like it's a, a choice as much as a necessity, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, and my, my big fear at the start of the year is we're talking about this this depth within the Warriors where they are all within a blanket. You can throw a blanket over them as far as skill and ability-wise outside of Sean Johnson about who deserves to be the partner. My big fear was that there would be no consistency. We see a lot of chipping and changing, and it has been the complete set almost within uh, the first three rounds and that is due to injuries to be fair to Nathan Brown so I can't throw too much shade in that regard but uh, the Warriors will not go well with halves that are unsettled and um, constantly moved and uh, there's nothing to suggest that the halves are setting the world on fire but I, I, I found the dropping of Cody to be unusual in the first place. Uh, it's I not like uh, Nathan Br- but, but in the con- why, give him, why give him the jersey? Why, there's other options they could have uh, they could have taken to keep uh, Harris Reader inside the uh, that mm. top uh, six jersey to start with for round one. We'll come forward and saying right now um, we're looking at Chanel at fullback, but he will be our six for round two, and there'll be a real straightforward, open conversation with it. And I, I just don't think that was that okay. was very clear in my opinion. Hamish, what about you? What are you what are your thoughts on that one? Well, in terms of, like, the team, I'm reminded of something that Richard said many years ago in a cricket context. Um, he was playing England, he was captain of West Indies, and the young England captain was a guy called Chris Cowdery. He didn't play very often. Yep. In fact, it was about a second test, and Ames Stortham was captain. He started reading out to the team, the Richards at the toss, and he got two names in, and Richard just waved his arm and said, mate, pick who you like, it ain't going to make no difference. And, like, <laughs> that's how I feel about the Warriors. I don't think they're um, that good. 
I don't think it makes any difference. And one of the reasons is Nathan Brown himself. Um, I don't think he's a very good coach. I think that he spat the, to spit the dummy after round two and say, it's not first-rate standard, we're making schoolboy errors, this isn't good enough, guys have to pick up their game. I think that's pretty early to, to sort of push that button. Um, to go back a wee way, like, I wasn't a massive Stephen Kearney enthusiast, but I thought that under him, there were finally some standards. Fitness levels were high for the first time in living memory. They there were expectations. They severed the, the, the cord with Sean Johnson, which I thought was a positive. And then, sure, bin Kearney if you want, but get a coach of consequence. To bring yeah. in Nathan Brown, who's actually probably a worse coach, the club's going backwards as best evidence by, by Johnson coming back. Like I just think you've actually got to grow up and be a big boy club. And until you are, people aren't going to come and play for you. Juniors are going to go to proper clubs in Sydney. Guys who come from Sydney are going to be guys who are on their last chance. So it's a club of last resort. So the personnel's not that good. The coaches aren't that great. And for him to be saying, as he did last week after the, the Titans game, that this isn't good enough, well, far it's pretty early to go that card. Yeah, and I was also uh, sort of quite astounded. He said, I'm, you know, I'm over-developing players. Uh, hello. Let's move on to something you love. Well, I hope you love it, uh, Hamish. But uh, <laughs> Super Rugby, what are you liking and not liking about the product at the moment? I don't like anything about it. Uh, wow. Nothing. Not a thing. Why? Yeah, it's just the... Oh wow! Big size, well, big size as well. It's a shambles of a competition for a start. You know what I mean? And that's partly out of New Zealand rugby's control with COVID and all that kind of carry on. But I just, I don't think the Australian teams, the Pacific teams, are offer anything. Um, I said right from day one that once COVID hit, I thought New Zealand should have had an all senior, all dancing national provincial competition of two rounds, home and away, with all the All Blacks playing. Like we've got a competition where All Blacks play under sufferance. And the rest of the teams are made up with boys with no runs on the board. You know, all the middle tier of players now make a living in Japan and Europe. They play test rugby for other nations if they can qualify. Like, we've lost a huge amount of depth. And so the product isn't actually very good. I, I hate the coverage of it. It's talked up all the time. It's just, it's actually, the product's not that good. It's not, people get a bit yesteryearly about sport. But I, I stand to be correct, but Super Rugby was a way better product before than it is now. And I, I can't get enthused about it. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I love your call about a, 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 a I like the call about a professional uh, provincial competition. I've always said Super Rugby would be better if you, shall we say, professionalise the, the the provinces and get back to the tribalism. Because I don't know how many people can connect get... with New Zealanders. Like get out of they... their community. Like, oh, but they but they say but they say we're out of touch. They the union will say you and I are out of touch, right? And that's not where the money is. We don't we don't have a team for all intents and purposes. Do you know what I mean? Like we 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 know where. Okay, hold that thought. Uh, Sam, I'll give you 60 seconds on this one. What do you like and what don't you like about Super Rugby? Uh, I, uh, I like <laughs> that there are some talented players in it uh, and I don't like that I don't see them playing talented rugby. Uh, I, I haven't... Uh, I don't, if, you've been really, if you've been engaged in Super Rugby this year, then you are an absolute diehard, yep, yep. died-in-the-wool, nothing, nothing will uh, change your mind on it. If you are a sports fan that comes at it from a I want sports entertainment view, you will not be getting what you want out of the competition for a myriad of reasons. And uh, Hamish makes his opinion very clear clear in his, uh, his comms. I have a great deal of respect for his writing. I often want to just you know, get on a plane, go down and give him a hug after reading some of them. I feel like I, he really, he really yeah, wears it, uh, re- wears it, really wears it hard. Did you, did you say you wanted a hug, Hamish? <laughs> did you want a hug, Hamish? Well, my wife won't hug me, so someone must Ah, be good. You two hang on. It's half past ten. More on the other side with our expertise. Tease panel. Brought to you by Dilma. <sighs> 
do try it. 10.32, this is the panel with the expertise. Dilmar celebrating 30 years of tea in New Zealand. Uh, and two boys from the bays, but different bays. Hamish Bidwell, Hawke's Bay. Sam Ackerman, Bay of Plenty. Which is the better bay? Right, so it's, not, it's a very silly question to ask. Very, very <laughs> silly question to ask, Stephen. I mean, we, we, there is Hawke's Bay and then there's the bay. So, yeah, it, it, it's, Hawke's Bay's lovely, but it's, you know, Come on. Oh, wow. Plenty. He's, We've got plenty. He's throwing plenty. You under, oh, it's in the yeah, name. Very man. good, very good, very good. Uh, he's throwing you under the bus a little bit there, Amish. Got a, got a retort to that? I was born in Sam's Bay, and my extended family still lives there. I holiday there frequently, and I have a very soft spot in my heart, but I choose to live in Hawke's Bay, and I choose that because I could live anywhere, but I wouldn't live anywhere else. Yeah, so, and why would, you live, why would you live in the mountain places like that where the traffic is just as bad as Auckland? Sam Ackerman, what were you thinking? Anyway, oh, that's right, your wife said you were going. Uh, let's, let's that's m- right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Super rugby O-Picky. Uh, uh, there's two parts to this question. Uh, is it enough to help the Black Ferns find form uh, come October with the World Cup this year? And do you find it entertaining? Hamish, I'll go to you first. I think uh, Chiefs coach Alan Bunting said it best when he said, right, we've had the warm-up, it's just a real shame we can't have the proper competition now. Well, I I find the competition itself an insult to the female players. It's so token, so once over lightly. Games cancelled when in the men's competition we have them postponed. Three games and the Hurricanes played, what, two? I mean, it's just an absolute waste of everyone's time. If that's not developing anyone, it's not developing anything. I understand that look, we don't have a huge player pool, but at least give them home and away matches. It's really hard to judge the competition. They've been in bubbles and Taupo going to uh, Hamilton to play like it's it hasn't been a great advertisement because of the circumstances, but the bottom line is, I didn't feel that NZR and their broadcast partner did enough to make it a, con- a competition of consequence, and I feel uh, disappointed for the women, and I don't think that they're tracking that well for the World Cup, and it's hard for them to say anything because you know they're having a review into the coach, hey, but they've sort of muddied that whole pool by contracting players full-time for the first time and so they sort of, now they've got a financial commitment to NZR and they can't speak out, but they, I think they're being treated really shabbily. I think there's problems within the, the national camp and I think, yeah, the competition was, was token at best, so I, I think there's a lot of room for people to grow there because I think they're doing the women a disservice. Do you think though the fact that they've had what you have, have claimed as a, a token competition, will it benefit the national team? No. How could it? It's, it's as Alan Bunting said. Like it's, it's they've had the equivalent of a, a couple of pre-season hitouts, and now they're off, and that's it. Like that, how's that achieving anything? No, no, no. Fair, fair call, Sam. Uh, I think that it achieves more than that. Personally, I think what it does is it uh, puts. Uh, these these women in the uh, ability to have rugby as a focus of some variety at this stage of the year, which in the um, semi-professional world isn't always a given. Um, so I think that there is a benefit to it, but it's not the benefit. This is not going to... If if for some reason uh, the Black Ferns pull themselves together, get their act together and uh, a force at the Women's Rugby World Cup, it won't be because of Super Rugby Olympics. It's not. This is not the uh, the catalyst for a moment, but uh, there will hopefully be something, a, a, a chance at working on combinations at training, uh, an ability to lift fitness to a higher point than it would have been for them necessarily at the stage. But that's all, all ifs and buts. It was uh, it was really frustrating, and, and Hamish hit it on the head. It's the the woman I feel sorry for. They had been champing at the bit that mm-hmm. earned these opportunities uh, and have it taken away. Um, but look, the difference between postponement and cancellations as well, though, is that uh, with, with the men, they are all sitting there full contracted. Um, that's their livelihood entirely. Uh, by postponing matches, it doesn't really change 
what they had to achieve a lot, whereas if you drag uh, Sid Rugby Albuquerque out further, there has wider implications on the, in the semi-professional uh, range of things. But it was, it was really frustrating, uh, and you know, congrats to the Chiefs, but it is like... I don't think anyone's going to remember this in the annals of history as a, as a rip-roaring success. But did either, either of you find it entertaining for what you saw, yes. Hamish? Yeah, I so, did. I, so, it's, so you found it entertaining, Hamish? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lack of... There's more enterprise, there's less cynicism, I find, in the, in the female game. They actually try to promote the footy yeah. and, 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 and play decent rugby. Like it, you say the same in a, in a variety of women's codes for that matter. I find football a bit the same. Um, you know what it yeah, is, no, eh? You know, do you know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. I've figured it out. Women are more open, so they don't care. They just get out and play. Blokes are more worried about selection and things like that and so not upsetting the coach. Uh, yeah, that's a highly uh, decent theory. <laughs> You're going to disagree yeah, with them, aren't you, Sam? I think they care. They care about their position, though. Steve. They don't. Not, they go out there. I think the approach to it is the way. That, the way they collectively do it. I think there's probably a uh, easier sense of that collective than there might be in the uh, in the men as far as the competition for spots, the bred into you from a whatever age. That this is this is it, and it's all you got. For them, this is an opportunity they may never have had, you know, dreamed realistically of having. So, why would you do anything but um, give it your your whole heart and your your whole passion? It's it's it is a, be- it is a beautiful thing to watch, and I felt fine the same with um, NRLW. Yeah, actually, yeah, good call, that, and that is a good comp. Uh, one final subject to quickly touch on: SBW with Barry Hall tonight, or UFC this weekend with Kai Kara France sitting at number six in the flyweight division up against Askar Askarov, who is number two. Who are you going to be watching, Hamish? Hall, uh, SBW, or Askar Askarov against Kai Kara France? Neither. I wouldn't even be paying the scantest bit of attention to either. I don't go into combat sports of any sort. Um, I certainly don't go in for like has been footballers having a bit of a muck around. Um, you can talk to me all you like about these guys are legitimate fighters now and all the rest of it, but I don't buy it and I don't watch it. Ouch. Okay. Uh, Sammy? <laughs> I, we've had this conversation uh, many times before um, I have a huge amount of respect for uh, SBW's um, athletic ability, I do not give a toss about his boxing career, he can do what he likes with it, good good on him I'll um, probably stumble across the highlights on social media tomorrow but I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it and Barry Hall is a big uh, well known Australian sideshow and he's, he has a big slab of meat so I'm sure it'll be uh, interesting to watch but I, I uh, if you're given the choice, absolutely, it's um, it's Kai Carter France because he's potentially fighting for is consequence to what he's doing. Uh, what he is trying to achieve will will lead to something quite directly. Should should he win, he's potentially quite likely in line for a uh, for a title shot. That's so, a, a massive deal for for a young man who's been battling away for a long time. So there you go, Hamish. Because what, 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 that's what I wanted to hear. Because then I can do my segue to reminding people that you can buy it on Sky Arena tonight <laughs> and also or Sky Sport now uh, for both fights. All right, hey. Gentlemen, that was fun. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Hamish, go have a coffee, please. I just feel like you need well, a coffee. And Sam, hop on a plane. I actually find think... that hug, mate. Hamish, yeah. find that hug. Yeah, Someone's exactly, got it for you down there, I swear. Exactly right. Gents, thanks for that. Uh, good to talk to you both. Sam Ackerman okay. and Hamish Bidwell here on the Expertise panel of Dilmar celebrating 30 years of tea in New Zealand. I actually think Hamish does need a hug. He was he was fired up today. He needs a hug. Uh, on our question of the day, should we be... Uh, 
publicising salaries of professional sports people. Uh, Brad writes in on the text line, the Timber Post text line on double eight double three. Mate, I'm very torn regarding the pro salaries being revealed. It's a no-brainer, really. Big downside could be fans reacting to players' salaries in terms of performance, e.g. the Warriors. It's always that one, isn't it? Uh, it could possibly affect mental health of players with fans getting up on them on social media or in the press. We'll just don't do social media. All in all, should still have a really good look at it. Thank you for the balance. Uh, Chris says, I never get how some people can compare sports and regular jobs. Well, we weren't, we weren't comparing sports and regular jobs. We were actually, it was brought into this, the sphere of entertainment salaries like presenters and, and that sort of thing and sports people. I think the sports part stars work hard and sacrifice a lot to be professional athletes. Thank you, Chris. If you want to talk to me about it, haven't heard from Steve yet, uh, Logan. 0800-150811. 0800-150811. This is Mornings with McIver. Uh, it's at 10.41. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Hooked on that feeling of talking some more footy. NRL weekend round three, Dragons and the Sharkies, uh, Thursday night football at 10.05. Warriors are playing Friday night football at eight against the Tigers at Campbelltown. That'll be a tough one for both sides. But as Chuck said, Chuck Halligan said earlier this morning, uh, two very strong packs. The second Friday game is an absolute cracker. Roosters, Rabbitohs, Manu against Luttrell again. Need I say more? Top of the table clash out in Bathurst on the first Saturday game. Uh, Panthers against the Knights, one versus two or two versus one. Uh, the second game on Saturday, Storm versus the Eels. And the Raiders against the Titans. Cracking Super Saturday. Sunday, it's the Broncos and the Cowboys, the local derby at 6.05. And the Seagulls and the Doggies, uh, something to look forward to. Is Are we going to talk to Bruce at all? We're not going to talk. We might talk to him. Okay. Peter Volandis has come out and starting to talk about uh, an 18th team already, Logan, in the NRL. We've got the 17th team coming next year in the form of the Dolphins, based out of Redcliffe, where the Warriors are. Um, And now he's thrown out Perth and again New Zealand. Okay. Can we just... Can we just forget about another second New Zealand team? There is no need for a second New Zealand team, right? And it all comes down to one thing, making money. And survivability. Yes, you can you can increase the broadcast contract to reflect that, so you can pay for the salary cap, which all teams have. But do we need another team trying to make money? Everybody keeps talking about the Orcas and Wellington. Well, you know what? They don't even turn up in droves for the Phoenix. So I just think I, you know, if I was seriously going to put another team in New Zealand, and I still think you shouldn't, I'd be going to Christchurch. Right? They have a they have a storied like Wellington, but a storied history in rugby league. And they will have fans that will jump on board. I find uh, fans supporting teams in Wellington, I'm not dissing you, Wellington, I'm just saying some of these supports of teams is pretty damn average. Yeah, uh, I mean, Wellington has kind of been on on the button there for a little while. I do, I do like 
the idea of having Christchurch because there's probably a team or a, a region that doesn't get represented enough. When we have New Zealand teams in Australian competitions, Christchurch isn't really one that gets thought of. Okay, I got Bruce on the line. I went hundred one five zero eight to them. You got about sixty seconds, Bruce. What's on your mind? Interesting, a very interesting uh, discussion, uh, Stephen. Hey, if you if you're going to announce everyone's salary, what what is the main benefit of it? Because if you transparency with a Okay, but with high-paid positions, responsibility comes accountability. Yes. Do no. they not? Do they not already have that? Well, do, do, well, the question. I suppose the question is, do they? You see, I, what I'm trying to get away from Bruce is the tall poppy syndrome. Saying for people saying you're being paid X, Y, Z, then you should perform. Right. All I'm saying is, if you can negotiate a good contract, good on you. You shouldn't be held accountable Absolutely. for you, you shouldn't be held accountable for your contract. You should be held accountable for your performance. Contract should have nothing to do with it. I'll ask you a question. Yep. Why why if you were a reasonable NRL player yep. in in Australia, why would you join the Warriors? <sighs> yeah, I knew you I, I was I was dreading that question. Because well, you, 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 yeah, you we, tell look, me the reason. Okay, why so you I'll, join t- I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, and this will be the this will be the final statement on this this with your this discussion here with you, Bruce. We could talk you, you, for you, hours. I know we could. Season. You join a <laughs> you join a club for the coach. You join a club yeah. to follow a coach. There is the there is the line of that, mate. So lovely to hear from you. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Yeah, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. It's ten fifty. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. At 10.55 with Stephen McIver, 0800 150 or the Temper Bedpost text line, double eight double three. For once, Logan say, wait for the horse Winnie. Uh... Now, Louis, as always, does double duty. Uh, time for the Love Racing update because he, he told me this morning, did I not remind you yesterday, Stephen? Pukakaui today, right? That's yeah, what- man. Pukakaui today. Well, look, like, to be fair, I never, I'm not prejudiced and I don't judge. Like, I understand that racing is not how some people's diaries work. <laughs> But it just is for me. It's so, <laughs> so okay, it's okay. I'm, I'm not. Uh, this is the first time we. You've come in hot this week, eh? You've come in hot on me, <laughs> mate. I'm just full of energy, full of beans. So I'm not. I don't mind that you don't know exactly when the race meets are. Oh, but mate, I, I don't. You, I don't. I, I am not. A, I'm not a racing guy. I have driven a trotter once, a harness racer once, and one. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. At Alex Park. In the no, jungle. no, Cambridge Raceway, oh. about 1983, 84. I yeah. think I told you that story. Lagavulin. Yeah, right. Trained by the Mitchells in Cambridge. Beautiful. Uh, whipped it. I don't think he's asked to do that anymore. Uh, won by 10 lengths. Oh. Never won again. In a canter. <laughs> Absolutely easy, mate. What but t- but t- drove it myself. Yeah. No one's sitting beside me. Right. Drove it myself. See, that's quite. See, I don't think they do that anymore. No, I, it was fantastic. And then I ran over at the late Felishman's head the next year, accidentally. He fell. He sort of fell off out of the sulk, and I went, "Oops!" <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, move on. What? Uh, Pukakawi, ten fifty-six. I tell you what, I do have an issue with. I got an issue with uh, Tavi with me, which I really wanted to back. Two of its um, rivals, you'd say, in the race have come out, been scratched out. I guess there's a bit of rain around, mm-hmm. and it's into a dollar forty. So. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, no value there. Race number six, though. Yep. Uh, mo- race number 
Okay, now I can't find the race I'm after. Come on, Louie. Well, that's not, maybe I've had another. Maybe I've lost another scratching here. Um, all right. Well, that's no good to anyone. I can't tell you the races, and so I'm not going to tip it out. But yeah, there's <laughs> racing today. Ah, oh, here we go. Sorry, race five. Finally, race five. Yep, Thirty Mo- seconds. Race five, Moana. Um, again, heaps of scratchings. It looks like scratchings are really decimated the meat as I go oh. through the fields. It must be bad weather or COVID. People not wanting to travel. Maybe bits of COVID as well. Moana, two dollars even money now. It breaks. It's made in today in race number five. You can multi them together and have a laugh. All right. There is uh, Louise Love Racing update. loveracing.co.nz for your thoroughbred racing news, previews, reviews and more. Thanks, Louis. Time to go to the tab here with Pip Morris. All right, uh, bet live on your favourite sports. Download the tab app today. Hey, Pip. Hey, Stephen. How are you? I am on fire. Well, I'm feeling good. How about you? Yeah, really good, thank you. We've got plenty to look forward to over the weekend and, of course, today as well uh, with the basketball. There's been some big bets on that as well, Stephen, including 16,000 on over 231 and a half total points in the Milwaukee and Chicago game. Wow. So someone's thinking it's going to be a big scoring game. Two and a, uh, 2.2K as well on Golden State, State head-to-head at $1.30. And, of course, we've got that bonus back available, the same game claim. You can place a three or more leg multi on the basketball, and if you miss by one leg, you can get a bonus back up to $50. Speaking of bonus backs as well, the Warriors' top eight only available up to round four if you back them to make the top eight and they don't get the spoon, and then you get your money back. Oh, you, you're joining. You're joining that. You're joining that 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 that, that sort of momentum. It's spoon year. I've got to beat the Tigers surely this weekend. Dollar seventy one up against a team that just looked like a second grade. I thought over the weekend. So. Right, well, hang on, Kev, Kev, where you calling second grade? Okay. <laughs> All right, Pip, appreciate it, but I love the passion. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, you go. Pip Morris of the TAB. Watch and bet live on your favourite sports at racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18, coming your way after 11 o'clock on Mornings with McIver. In for Smithy, who's back Monday. Is he back Monday? Yep, he's hopefully back Monday. I hope he's back Monday. Uh, we're going to talk to Sean McIndoe from The Athletic. Uh, he is a NHL guru. He actually has a podcast called Puck Soup Podcast. This guy knows what is what is going down in the world of the NHL. We've got a month to go before the playoffs start. He's going to tell us about some of the key trades that's going on. I'm going to actually bring Logan in to help me out on this one because Logan loves his NHL and knows more about it than he than I would. So that's we're going to have a little bit of fun with that one coming your way after 11 o'clock this morning. And of course, you can try and stump me because you failed yesterday. So try today. Stick it right here. Mornings with McIver on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Here we go. I know I'd go from rags to return. It is crooning Wednesday. If you would only say you care. And though my pocket may be empty, I'd be a millionaire. Clothes may still be torn and tattered. 11.04, and this is Mornings with McIver and SNZ with Smithy, the great Tony Bennett on Crooning Wednesday. Just a reminder, tomorrow, Kai Kara France, ahead of his 
Showdown with Askar Askarov this Sunday in Ohio. And also Warren Smith, great caller, great bloke from Fox Sports, one of the lead callers in the NRL. So that's two of the guests we have tomorrow. Our next guest comes from, well, he's calling from, I've got to ask him about this, Jockvale. Jockvale, Ontario, Canada. That's what it says on my screen. Sean McIndoe with The Athletic and everything on the NHL trade deadline and all things NHL. Welcome to the show, mate. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I didn't know where Jockvale is, is close, I guess. I'm calling you, uh, <laughs> let's just say, from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, the capital of Canada. <laughs> Uh, where it is uh, still Tuesday and freezing cold. <laughs> okay. I was waiting for a good story about Jockville, but it's okay. Hey, look, um, I've been talking I mean, to... For a sports guy, Jockville, that's pretty good. I might have to stick with that. Yeah, no, I'm not I, really... I, I reckon that's on the money, on the, on the money, Sean. I've got Logan uh, Sprinkles in with me here as well, Sprinkles Swinkles, because uh, he loves his NHL, so you'll have two voices coming at you. Uh, but he was talking to me about uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and the trade deadline. How excited should Minnesota fans be getting him? You know what? They should be pretty excited. Minnesota Wild, a good team, but a team that has been let down over the last little while. They've been uh, they've been dropping in the standings largely because of the goaltending. And there's an old uh, uh, thought in the NHL world that it's very very difficult to add a goaltender during the season. If you need help uh, up front or on defense, you're okay. That's you. That's what the trade deadline is for. But in goal, it it can be tough. But it's not. Fleury becomes available. This is the guy. He won the Vezina Trophy as the best goaltender in the league just last year. Uh, so he became available. His team, Chicago, not very good. Not uh, really his fault, although he's had a bit of an off-and-on season. So there, there is some risk here. He's an older guy. But certainly among the goaltenders that were available, uh, this guy was the best of the best. And Minnesota went out and got him. Uh, and, uh, you know, now we see how it works out. But you certainly can't say that uh, they didn't go out and uh, at least do the best they could to fix the big problem that was keeping them down. Hey, Sean, it's Logan here. Uh, speaking of making moves, there was, there's a few Kiwis out there that support the uh, Anaheim Ducks, probably largely in part to the Mighty Ducks movies back in the day. They were selling a lot during that trade deadline period. What do you make of their moves? And I want to start, before we get to the, the real meaty one, I want to start with uh, them sending Ricard Raquel to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, that that is. Uh, I, I like all of their moves. The Anaheim Ducks are a team that, uh, for a, for a lot of years, was a really good team, and then uh, uh, last year not as good. And this is what happens in the NHL. You you go through the cycle. You stay good as long as you can. You take as many swings at, at winning a Stanley Cup, but then eventually you got to take a step back. And this year it looked like early on the Ducks were doing better than expected, but they fell back. And uh, it was time for them to, to look towards the future, sell off some of their veteran players, get some assets for the future. And what made it interesting is the Anaheim Ducks have got a rookie GM uh, by the name of Pat Verbeek, a new guy in charge. And a lot of times in the NHL, it's very tough to be the new guy. A lot of times they like to have, they take some time. Give me a year. Let me sort of get my feet under me. Uh, he didn't have that opportunity because these guys had to be moved now if they were going to move. And when you look at Ricard Raquel going to the Penguins, that was one of those deals yesterday on deadline day that, that really slipped in just under the wire. Late in the day, you started to think, man, maybe this isn't going to get done and it's going to be a missed opportunity. And at the end of it, they actually were able to find a buyer, find a deal that made sense, uh, and got some nice future assets for a player that, as good as he is, probably didn't have a future in Anaheim. 
Uh, before we get to the the Dadanov trade, there was a, how much activity was there on deadline day? Because it seemed like a lot of deals were coming in post deadline. Yeah, there was quite a traffic jam on uh, on the phone lines that uh, that the teams have to use to get their deals into the NHL. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but I thought I had heard something over 30 for the number of trades on deadline day, which would be quite a busy deadline day. Not as many huge names as uh, as maybe we would like to have uh, thought or maybe we've seen in the past. But certainly, in terms of volume, it was a, a very, very busy day. And you're right, most of that coming in uh, late in the afternoon leading up to the deadline and even after the deadline while we waited to see what had uh, what had gotten in just under the wire. All right, let's get to the Denonov trade here, Sean. What happened there between the between Vegas and Anaheim? What's the latest? It sounds like from what I've seen on social media, it's been getting very messy. Yeah, it, this this is a mess and as far as what happened, we're we're still trying to figure it out and the NHL is still trying to figure out. The uh the the basics of it seem to be that in the NHL it is not uncommon for players to have a no trade clause and what that means is that they can't be traded either at all without their permission. That would be a full no trade clause or in uh, in more cases they will have a limited no trade clause which basically says I can name a certain number of teams that you cannot trade me to without my permission and that's a way for a player to have uh, a certain amount of control over where they can go what destinations they might want to avoid some guys don't want to go too far from home they might not want to go back and forth between the u.s and canada all sorts of reasons and uh, many of these players have that well it turns off Evgeny Dadnov was one of those players who had a no trade clause and it was given to him by his previous previous team which is the ottawa senators right where her where i met they signed him to a contract a couple years ago gave him this no trade clause where he could list 10 teams that he could not be traded to a few months after that they trade him to the vegas golden knights no problem their golden knights are not on his no trade list so it's not a problem the issue is apparently the ottawa senators didn't tell anyone that they had given him this no-trade clause. The Vegas Golden Knights did not know that he had a no-trade clause, or at least they're saying that they didn't know. And so then the trade deadline comes along. The Vegas Golden Knights right up against the salary cap. They desperately need to move some guys. They make a deal. They send him to the Anaheim Ducks. They don't know about a no-trade clause, so they don't ask about it. The Ducks don't know anything about a no-trade clause. Apparently, the NHL somehow didn't know he had this no-trade clause, and so they approve the deal. It goes through, and it's announced. Uh-oh, turns out, suddenly, we find out Evgeny Dadnov did have a no-trade clause with 10 teams, and guess what? One of those 10 teams was the Anaheim Ducks, which means he should not be able to be traded to that team. And now it's a real mess, because we've got to figure out what do we do here, whose fault is it, what do we do with this player? we got a guy who's been traded away, his team clearly doesn't want him, he doesn't want to go to Anaheim, where does he go, where does he play, do we just cancel the trade, is there a way we can salvage it? It's a complete mess, and it's a situation that, I, to be honest, I can't remember ever seeing something like this play out in the NHL. The whole reason we have this traffic jam of teams calling into the league to make sure their trades get processed and approved is for exactly this situation, and yet somehow this thing slipped by everybody until it was too late. Did you take a breath during that whole explanation? <laughs> no, not at all. I'm I'm winded right now, so make this next question a long one. Okay, this okay. Here we go. So I'm looking at the Atlantic Conference, right? The division, right? And I'm looking at the top four going, man. There's some heavy hitters in there: Florida, Tampa, Toronto, and Boston. Like they're all rock star teams. But how many of those four go through the playoffs, and the, particularly the first round? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, you're, you're right. All four good teams, uh, all four made big trades, uh, so they got better. All four will make the playoffs. You, you can have the, the top four teams, but they will end up probably playing each other. It is possible that the fourth-place team could cross over and play a, a Metro Division team, but the most likely scenario is they all end up playing each other. So uh, only one of those teams, most likely, is going to get out of round two, uh, let alone get to the Stanley Cup final. Keeping with that uh, Atlantic division there, the Florida Panthers made a couple of moves there. Ben, ben Sherratt and, of course, Claude Giroux, the big one there, coming out of Philly. Are they the magic pieces of the puzzle that they need to make a Stanley Cup run? You know, we'll find out. The, the Ben Sherratt trade was interesting. That was a guy who was, you know, look, he's a decent player, but you started hearing early in the season when it became obvious that his, his old team, the Montreal Canadiens, were not going to be very good, and you figured he would probably be traded. And you started to hear these outrageous prices. He was going to cost a first-round pick. He was going to cost more than that. And you sort of thought, geez, for Ben Sherratt, I don't think anyone's going to pay that. Well, the Florida Panthers did pay that. In fact, they paid a little bit more. They, they paid a real high price to get him. Uh, probably overpaid, but then when it came to Claude Giroux, uh, probably underpaid, because Claude Giroux, again, another one of these players with a no-trade clause, he only wanted to go to Florida, so they, they didn't have to pay as high a price as maybe they normally would. Uh, so it all bounced out. Florida, uh, a couple of real good moves. They, these players will help them. Certainly Claude Giroux is a, a veteran who's been a star in this league, still chasing his first Stanley Cup. Um, the, the interesting thing with the Panthers is, look, this is a team way, way, way back in 1996 when they were a, still a, a relatively new team. They go all the way to the Stanley Cup final, almost win it. It's this great Cinderella run. They haven't won a single playoff series since then. You're talking... 25-plus years that they've been waiting just to win another playoff round. Uh, this is a team that if there was anyone who was going to go all in, this is the team, and they did go all in, and they, they gave up a big chunk of the future, but that's fine because they're a really uh, exciting team, fast team, offensive-minded team, uh, and they're all sorts of fun to watch. So, uh, you know, if, if, if you don't have a rooting interest and you're looking for a team to jump on the bandwagon, Florida Panthers are a great pick because they've certainly been waiting long enough to have some success, and now they're pretty well positioned to go and get it. You know, Sean, every time I see the name the Toronto Maple Leafs, it brings me back to one of my silly favorite movies, The Love Guru with Mike Myers, right? Oh, no. <laughs> we found him. We found the only Love Guru fan on the planet. That is, uh, okay, that's, that's good to know. Wow. <laughs> but, it just, but it just reminds me, and I mean, because they've got, they've got some goaltending issues, right? What are they looking like post-deadline? Yep. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the goaltending issues did not get any better at the deadline, and, and that's the thing. And, you know, you, you talk about, we just talked about the Florida Panthers and their playoff drought. Well, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs haven't won a round since 2004, and they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1967. So this is one of the oldest teams in the sport, one of the uh, uh, most important teams mm. as far as the big fan base, the big history, all of that. They're always on television, but they never win. They never win at all, and lately they never win anything at all and uh, they came into this deadline. They've got a really good team as far as the offense. The blue line got better. They went and got Mark Giordano, who was the defenseman of the year just a couple of years ago, so they, they uh, uh, upgraded there. But you're right. It's The goaltending has been the question mark in Toronto, and they were a team a lot of people thought would go out and get somebody, and it ended up they didn't do it. So they're going to they're gonna roll the dice with what they have, and it's it's a really interesting move. Goaltending is so hard to predict in the NHL. This could work out. It could absolutely work out for them, and everybody could say, hey, great move by the Maple Leafs to not panic 
and to go out and, and, and upgrade in other areas and trust their goaltending, uh, it could also end up being a disaster. And boy, if they lose in that first round, in that real tough Atlantic division where there's no easy matchups, they lose in the first round again, there is going to be all sorts of big, tough questions being asked about why didn't they go out and get a goaltender. Yes, yeah, so, so this is a really good question that, that can relate to any sports team that is beloved by millions. Why can't they succeed? Why can they not win? You know what? It is a it's a great question, and boy, we would we would love to figure out the answer. I, I mean, I can tell you, I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I grew up in Toronto. Uh, I, I was a fan there for uh, you know, my whole life, and still am. Uh, during a certain period, during the 70s and the 80s, they had one of the worst things you can have in all of sports, which is they had a lousy owner. They had a guy who did not want to spend money. He knew that he had this great big city with all of these rabid fans. He knew he didn't have to put a good product on the ice to sell out the building to make lots of money, so he didn't. And so, you know, you can understand that. You can write off those 20 years since then. Um, they've had some good teams, and they've had some deep runs. They've gone to the conference final four times, uh, which is uh, which is pretty good. And you know, they they've had certainly some some star players, and have built a real good team right now. It just always seems to fall apart, especially this version of the team. It, it, it's just uh, it, even going into last year, the last couple of years, they've had playoff series where they were the big favorites and they were supposed to win, and this was supposed to be the easy matchup. And they just fall apart when it matters. I, I wish I could tell you uh, that I knew the piece of the puzzle, that it was something to do with the city or the media or the market or the fans. Uh, certainly all those theories have been put out there. Maybe it's just bad luck. It is a 30-team league. Uh, it should take you a while to win a Stanley Cup. But they just haven't found a way yet. I'll tell you, if they ever do, oh boy, it's, it's, uh, you, you talk about, uh, you talk about a, a, a fan base that is starving Starving for a win, uh, it would be absolutely unreal if the Maple Leafs ever did it, but uh, it's going to be real tough this year because they've got a, a really hard path to get any further than they normally get. Yeah, and if that ever happens, I'll be jumping on that first flight to Toronto. Uh, I was speaking with Sean McIndoe from The Athletic about the NHL trade deadline that just passed uh, yesterday. Last question for you, Sean. Along with having a lot of Maple Leafs fans uh, in New Zealand, do support quite a few Canadian teams, it seems. Speaking of, the Montreal Canadiens, they were stashing draft picks during that uh, deadline. They're hosting the NHL draft this year. Uh, is, is the 22 draft class one to get, get excited about? Who are some names we should be looking out for? It's, it's a, considered a pretty good class, uh, an above-average class. The, the, there's a, a forward by the name of Shane Wright is probably the number one guy uh, at the top of the list. He'll probably go number one uh, and, and could quite possibly end up going to the Montreal Canadiens. They've had a very surprisingly bad season after making what uh, what to, to a lot of us was a bit of a miracle run all the way to the Stanley Cup final last year. They, they've just been awful all year long, although they've been a little bit better lately. They changed coaches, brought in a, a new guy who's, who's uh, had some success um, but they will probably end up finishing dead last or close to it, which means they, they, they'll have a very high pick. 2022 class, pretty good. Uh, 2023, even better. 2023 is the big year to watch, if you like looking ahead, because there's a kid named Connor Bedard who is basically the next Connor McDavid, the next Sidney Crosby, the next Mario Lemieux, the can't-miss prospect, who is just going to absolutely instantly change the uh, future outlook of whatever team drafts them. Nobody quite like that in 2022, uh, but still some real good players and uh, uh, Montreal hosting, and uh, that's, uh, that's very exciting for all of us in the, in the hockey journalism world because it means we all get to go to Montreal for a weekend, and that's always a good time. I'm so happy you mentioned Sidney Crosby because my only real true uh, 
interaction, you might say, with ice hockey uh, and the NHL was actually the Olympics uh, in Vancouver in 2010. And I can still remember the day watching it live, Sidney Crosby getting that gold medal winning goal. Boy, was and, and he's still going to the Penguins. I mean, you were, being a Canadian, having an Olympics in your own country and seeing that goal and that win, what did that mean to you? It was it was fantastic. I mean, obviously, th- this is our sport in Canada, and uh, anytime there's any sort of tournament like that where the very best players are sent, so I'm not talking yeah. like this year's Olympics where the NHL didn't go or the, even the last time, but when the very best players go, uh, as a Canadian, there's only two possible results. You win gold or you come home a loser. That's it. We're, we don't get excited about silver medals or anything like that. Uh, we don't give any credit for close enough or, or any of that. So in one sense, there's an enormous amount of pressure on these Canadian players when they go to represent their country. But on the other hand, we got all the best players, so we probably should win. And the last few times that we did, there were the, the first time they went to the Olympics in 1998, Canada didn't win, didn't even medal. It was a crisis. I mean, we were we were just uh, we're beside ourselves here, wondering what we were doing wrong. 2002, they finally win. They beat the United States, and then they get the rematch in 2010 on home ice. And you know what? Sudden death overtime. Next goal wins. Uh, United States gets that goal. We're probably still talking about what a disaster it was for Canada, but instead Sidney Crosby steps up, uh, and it's uh, it's another gold medal for Canada, and we uh, we let the guys come home. Oh, Sean, I appreciate that. Uh, okay, so I've got two words for you before you go. First of all, thank you uh, for sharing your thoughts on the NHL trade deadline and what's going on, because I know how, uh, having been there, I, I, I get it. You know, I get it how you love your hockey. But I've got two words for you before I go. Love guru. Oh boy! I, you know what? I, I'm glad. I'm glad to know that, that we finally found the one fan. I love Mike Myers. He's a diehard Leafs fan. We were so excited when we found out he was making a movie about the Leafs, and then, oh boy, I don't know. I, 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 uh, yeah, it was. It, that was a rough one. I remember walking out of that theater, going, "Man, I bet you nobody liked this movie, and if anybody does, we're probably going to ship them off to New Zealand." <laughs> Thanks for your time, mate. Appreciate it, Sean McIndoe, Fucksuit Podcast. Uh, take care, buddy. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye-bye. Sean McIndoe. Well, he says, no, he's not from Jockvale, Ontario, but what a great name, eh? Jockvale, like Sportsvale, Jockvale, Ontario. Have you not seen The Love Guru? No, I <laughs> just go, Just go and, and find it somewhere because it is pretty bad. It's actually really silly. It's actually a silly Mike Myers it movie. It sounds like a Mike Myers movie. Well, it's actually probably not one of his ones he'll write home about. But it, why are you such a big NHL fan? Oh, we can get in that. Get into that another day. I think <laughs> that okay. might take a bit longer. <laughs> well, I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you sixty seconds. Okay, sixty seconds. It all came down and to go. and go. All right. Uh, watching the Detroit Red Wings and the Colorado Avalanche in the I think it was the mid nineties. It was on. It was on Sky Sport back yeah. then uh, when ESPN had the rights. Lost it, and then now it's back on ESPN. Uh, I just fell in love with the game. The the pace of it. The have you been to one? I've been to a bunch. I lived in Toronto for a year. I probably went ah. to every Leafs game that I could. See, I got a mate of mine who's married a Canadian. He's an old friend of mine. He says there is nothing, nothing compares to going to a live NHL game. Hundred percent. Why? It's just it's great on TV, and it's just so much better in person. You just, I mean, a lot of people say they have trouble following the puck. You definitely don't have that when you watch it in person. All right, thanks for that. Okay, Mister Swinkles. Knee sprinkles, knee sprinkles. Yeah, I know you hate that. You hate that, don't you? You hate me calling you sprinkles, don't you? Say it. Say it. Can you, you, I yeah. do. Can you just wind it up and go to ads, please? <laughs>
Ooh, I'm in the naughty corner. It's 11.24. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.29 with Stephen, 0800 150 You can uh, get on the phones now, actually, because it's almost time for Stumped by Stephen. And it is jackpotted to $100. So if you want to play Stumped by Stephen, feel free to get on the blower now. 0800 150 Off the timber bedpost text machine... Machina. Uh, Zane says about the Warriors, we are leaking too many tries down the edges. So here's my solution. Move Aiken to the centre with Katoa and Montoya. Move Curran to the other edge with Jesse Arthur's at centre and Berry on the wing. Let me just push this down a little bit. Yep, right. Uh, now I've got to push it up a bit. Why is this doing this? Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, excuse me, I've just had uh, technical malfunction with my fingers. That puts two solid defenders out there to coordinate the D, that's defence, and support the young guys in Barry and Katoa. Then bring Ciro into the 13 for his ball playing and BMM on the Ben Murdoch Masilla onto the bench, which is pretty much, uh, you know what, that's what Chucky thought about it as well, so I'm with you. Uh, Chris says, I agree, no second New Zealand team in the NRL. Go Perth, but if you have to, go to Christchurch. And make a South Island shared team. Reband the Warriors North Island and create that tribalism they want. And Apera Harmer goes, Steve, let's be honest. Most New Zealand sports fans suck at turning up regularly to support their team live, not just Welly. Fair plats, bang on 11.30. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. That's right, it's time for our favourite part of the show. It is Stumped in. Stephen McIver is back. I'm back, baby. I just saw that they go to the government's going to scrap limits on outdoor gatherings. Really? I just, I'm just i just reading off the NZ Herald website, and yeah, uh, how cool is that? Well, just in time, we can get some crowds back at sports matches. I know, that's why I got a little bit excited about it. Not confirmed, but at waiting. But obviously they've got the inside oil on what's going to happen. Sorry, just got a little bit excited. Sorry, crowds back at the footy, we love. Oh, yeah. That's what we want to see. Outdoors, not indoors. Outdoors, love it. Right. Okay, so of course yesterday we jackpotted. So today we have $100 worth of TAB bonus bets up for grabs, along with some sleep drops, daytime revive, try New Zealand sleep drops for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read the label and take as directed. That's sleepdrops.co.nz. That's why you can win. And joining us now at the crease is Reed from Gore. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good day, team. How are we getting on? We're good, we're good. How about you? Yeah, no, pretty good. I'm a little bit it. disappointed. I don't know how um, how we're going to get to a hole in this match underneath the roof. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, they've limit. Well, they've increased the indoor. It says to two hundred. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's no good. Let's let's just let's <laughs> leave no that. Good. Let's leave that there. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, one day, one day, read. All right. So this is how the game works for those that haven't. Uh, played before or first time listener perhaps we have three sporting categories to choose from today answer all three questions correctly then you can win it all but if you get a question wrong it's over to McIver and he has a chance to get it right and knock your bails off get stumped within the first two questions it's on to the next caller in line get stumped on that final question and we will jackpot again all right Reed today's topics are rugby league soccer football and ice hockey take your pick go rugby league oh I'm gonna I'm going to have to take take old um, Stephen on at a bit of rugby league. Rugby league. All right, here's, here's my boy. Pump, That's my boy. Pump. Here we go. All right, 
We're going with all-time records here for Stumped today with the Rugby League. Oh, no, Stephen's already... He's dropped, he's, he's dropped his head to his desk, so hope, hope you're a historian here, Reid. <laughs> Which team has won the most premierships? Oh, most premierships. Come on, mate. This is an easy one. Yeah. Easy for some. Um, yeah, fair play. I'm going to go with, I should really know this one. Oh. Oh, hang on. Pressure's on. Uh, part of me wants to say the Rabbitohs, but I don't think that's the right answer. Oh, I'm just going to have to go with it. I don't think it is, but. So what are you going with? Rabbitohs. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Wow. Yeah, go Googling perhaps? Yes, 21. No, no, no Googling, no Googling. Now, you would have got me there because, you know, I, you know, I was going to go the Dragons, but then I got carried away with the, that 11, 11 premiership run but didn't actually think f- f- past that. So yes, in a row. Yeah. yeah n- nice, nice crack read. You're still in the hunt. <laughs> All right. On the opposite end of that spectrum, Reed, who's picked up the most wooden spoons in their history? And uh, but this may be a bit of a trick question here, but this team doesn't exist anymore uh, we'll go Balmain a little bit one of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field not Balmain over to you Stephen who's picked up the most wooden spoons doesn't exist anymore doesn't exist anymore who's picked up the most in their history oh okay I'm going to have a crack at this one Newtown. Oh, that's what I said. One of the worst things <laughs> I have ever seen done on a cricket field. This is killing oh, Penelope's Brian here. Uh, quick, the correct answer is the Western Suburbs oh, the Magpies. Magpies with seventeen. Wow. Okay. All right. So, uh, so Reed's still alive, right? Reed, you yeah. are still alive. You still got that hundred dollars TAB bonus bets up for grabs and the sleeve drops. Daytime revive. Last question: Who has played the most NRL games and? How many? Oh, for goodness sake. I'm not making um, this easy here. I'm going to say, because it's, it's very recent, yeah, Cameron but... Smith, 430. Just a couple of chips oh, down the wicket. Right in the, the money. It goes. Absolutely on the money. You nailed that, oh. Reid. And from and from someone from Gore, which is rugby country, to know all that rugby league stuff, I'm even more impressed, Reid. Oh, mate, I love my rugby league. Oh, okay. Who's your team? Well, I am a wee bit of a uh, Warriors supporter, but if I'm going to go with someone else, and a lot of people will probably beg me for this, but I don't really mind the storm. There's nothing wrong with mining, mining a team that has a culture of success and discipline. Uh, hey, do you think they get to keep the three, uh, Jerome Hughes, Cameron Munster and Harry Grant, or if they don't, who do they lose? Um, well, yeah, I, I, I really hope they do, to be honest, Stephen. Um yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think. Um, who would you let go yeah, if, I, if you were the coach? You I, had to let one go because of the salary cap. Who would you let go? Well, you've sort of probably got to think about off-field antics and whatnot. And uh, <laughs> I know I'll, you. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> for the um, <laughs> potential liability, but on the field, he's fantastic. 
Okay. So I'd probably get that. It's yeah. interesting you say that because Braith and Nasta is his manager, and he's Braith, the host of NRO 360, and they're saying they're having encouraging talks, but the Dolphins want a high-profile player. And the other fly in the ointment, you know what that is, uh, Reid? No one knows no, if Craig Bellamy stays on past this year. Well, that's right. That'll be a big loss if he doesn't. All right. Uh, I'll get uh, Logan to remind you of what you've won. Nice work, mate. Yeah, congratulations, mate. $100 of uh, TB bonus bets going to your account, plus the day, uh, the Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. Hold the line, and Brian will get you details. Congratulations on winning Stumped. 11.30 out. I'll tell you about a nice property in just a minute. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. your eye like a big pizza pie that's amore oh i love crooning wednesday come on dean when the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine that's amore or about 44 gins dean it's 11 44 this is mornings with mckayver 0800 150 on the timber bedpost text machine double eight double three big news uh, i announced only moments ago i'm reading courtesy of the new zealand herald website the government has scrapped the limit on out Door gatherings and revealed the end of the vaccine pass use and mandates for some industries from next month. So the number of people allowed to gather inside increases from 100 to 200 under the still red light traffic setting. Masks will continue to be used. But this is a really encouraging thing for the businesses that have done it tough. The move means outdoor concerts and outdoor events and sports can resume with crowds. You know, the events industry has been skittled like a row of cans, and I feel for them, and I'm so happy for them. Plus, seeing fans back at sports grounds, which is so cool. The traffic light changes will kick in from March 25, this weekend. Vaccine passes will be no longer required to use from April 4. Uh, The PM says it's not the end, but some ways also a new beginning. But they're not ruling out lockdowns again if it gets out of control. Right now, I don't care. I'm so happy for businesses that have outdoor work. You concert people, you event people, you sports organisations. I do feel for the NBL, though, because they're inside. And they've got a monster season coming up. But there you go. All righty. Today's Bailey's Property of the Week is 4336 State Highway 63 in Wairau Valley. The substantial parcel of viticulture offers a fantastic 245-plus hectare opportunity to secure a high-performing vineyard in a proven sub-region. The vineyard will be sold with a grape supply agreement, which concludes following the 2023 vintage. Located in the Wairau Valley, this large, immaculately presented property has over 207 canopy hectares of vines sitting on five different titles. The property consists of 166.27 hectares of Sauvignon Blanc, 21.12 hectares of Pinot Gris, love me a good Pinot Gris, and 20.35 hectares of Pinot Noir. Excellent infrastructure includes a reservoir for water storage as backup irrigation, 38 frost fans, a large three-bay shed with built an office and solid family-sized home. Uh, 
Roading is in excellent condition, has been annually maintained, providing good access to all areas of the property. With a planting density of 2,525 vines per hectare, the crop has shown consistent production and ensures promising returns for the future. With two distinct terraces, the property offers flavour variation from changing soil types, keeping winemakers happy and offers excellent options for blending to achieve stylistic requirements for different markets. Hmm. The property is being offered as all or part thereof, and offers will be considered in all varying options. This property is brought to you by Mike Poff and Kurt Lindsay of Bailey's Country. You can view this and 83 other remarkable opportunities in Bailey's Country magazine at baileys.co.nz forward slash country. Nothing like a good forward slash, I say. And that's our Bailey's Property of the Week, 4336 State Highway 63, Wider Valley. Text in on the Timber Bedpost text line, quick question, Forsyth Bar. Dunedin Stadium, is it classes indoor or outdoor? Good question. Very good question. It has a roof, but it looks like an outdoor stadium indoors. That's it. Well, I believe the boss of NZ Rugby, Mark Robinson, is doing a presser, a press conference at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Maybe one of our journalists should ask that question. Is Forsyth Bar indoors or outdoors? In fact, you'd, you'd, I, you know, I'm with you on this one. I think it should be considered an outdoor stadium. You know, it's not close quarters. It's not a mosh pit, except maybe the zoo. But that's okay. We can accept that. But isn't that exciting? Outdoor gatherings. Limits gone. Indoor increases to 200. Still under red light. Masks will continue to be used. But for those those businesses that have been just bleeding, concert promoters, event operators, uh, it is so cool. Very, very, very happy for you. And, and it'll be so cool to see fans back at all footy. All the footies, all versions of the footy. Now, I'm also finding out today uh, that the Warriors have tweeted a, we're not sure what they've, a a smurf emoji. Smirk. They're smirking. smirk emoji. They're hinting at something big, Well, okay, so what are we saying? What are we thinking? Come on, throw out your scurrilous rumours. Uh, what do we think? A smirk emoji. It's coming home? It's coming home. It's got to be, right? On, and, and when did it appear? It must have appeared pretty, it appeared pretty quickly after that announcement, right? So they probably timed it for that. So one could suggest I've texted my mole inside the camp. They haven't responded to me yet. Uh, but we'll soon find out. So maybe news that the Warriors are coming home. And they've always said they won't come home earlier they'll come home when they agreed to come home. Are you going to say something to me? Logan, you look like you're reading. The what update? Oh, the race update. Oh, gosh, okay. Okay, sorry. Find the race update quickly. All right. Uh, Follow at SNZ underscore radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us a DM with the words, the race, for a chance to win 0.5% share of self-assured. Apparently, it's like two grand if he wins the race at Cambridge on April 14. That's 0.5% of the wings, but it's two grand. That's what Louis told me this morning, and I was impressed. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.